Welcome to Forecast, the Foreshadow Podcast, seeking glimpses of heaven on earth through conversations with people's lives and work. I'm Josh Seligman, the editor of Foreshadow, and with me today is Scott Stevens, a composer whose music is featured in multiple film scores and um, also ads for various companies. He holds a bachelor's degree in music composition from Point Loma Nazarene University in California and a master's degree in global music composition from San Diego State University, also in California. So, Scott, thanks for taking the time to speak with me and welcome. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks, Josh. Scott's music has actually been featured on Foreshadow. Um, the first, one of the first pieces that we published was his piece, Dawn Will Prevail. And Dawn Will Prevail comes from his EP called The Vastness. And there's something in his description of that EP that really got me thinking and, and what I want to focus on for the conversation today. He describes his EP as a concerted effort to listen inwardly and write what emerged over the course of three weeks in June 2020. That phrase of listening inwardly uh, is really captured my attention, and, and I want to focus on that in our conversation today. Listening through the, the, the process of creating, listening to one's life. And of course, in June 2020, Scott, when you were writing that EP, um, a lot was going on in the US and in the world. Uh, the, the death of George Floyd in the US, the Black Lives Matter protests in the middle of COVID-19. And, and as you write in your description of the EP as well, personal, some personal challenges as well. Mm -hmm. And so talking about listening inwardly, what did that listening look like? Yeah, um, listening and looking. Is it, so yeah, we'll, we'll focus on the listening part. On, on listening inwardly, I think sometimes when there are catastrophes or personal crises, you know, be it your health or a family member's health, or, you know, when a pandemic hits the world, uh, that, that kind of escalates things. Obviously for a lot of people, it can be really difficult to discern what it is that you're feeling. And I think for me, you know, some of the personal conflicts you were talking about, uh, my, my mom had had to have kind of an emergency surgery. And so that was, that was really scary. Thank goodness. She's fine today. She's doing well. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, with the pandemic and things shutting down and sort of this growing fear as everyone came to learn more and more about the dangers and then the heaviness of, you know, the U S starting to, I, I think starting a, a, a real conversation that thankfully is still ongoing about trying to reconcile and address, you know, the racial tensions that, that have been um, inherent and often too often swept under the rug, right? Just kind of like, ah, it happened and we're sorry. And, you know, there, there needed to be a lot more leaning into that. And so I think listening inwardly became something where I tried to maybe bear witness would be the best way to put it. Sorry to mix senses. I know, you know, witness, that's a visual thing and listening is an auditory thing. But um, I, I think as an artist, what I really try and do is bear witness to things that are human. There's a, there's a scene in a movie that came out with Tom Hanks 
um, called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood um, about the life of Mr. Rogers. And there's this really, really beautiful, beautiful scene. Yeah, it, right. Excellent movie. Oh, man, there's not no spoilers if you haven't seen it, I guess. But there's a one minute scene and you'll know it when you see it. That is just so emotionally rich and tense and nourishing. And, you know, I, I think that um, there's a moment where a character who is is aware that he's dying is scared of that because it's, I think, pretty innately human to be a little scared of death. It's an unknown um, for a lot of people and uh, me included, I haven't died. Uh, but uh, when the guy expresses fear, Mr. Rogers or Tom Hanks uh, response is if, if it's human, it's mentionable. And I think that oftentimes we try and maybe suppress or hide or let emotions out in ways that are really big. And I think for me with the EP, you know, part of it was, was an exploration and in, in some sounds that maybe I hadn't dabbled in as focused uh, or with as much concerted effort, but um, it, it was an effort to be still and sort of let ideas flow and not, not judge them too quickly. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you resonate with this or maybe other people can resonate with when you're trying to do something creative, sometimes you put an idea out there and maybe it feels raw and vulnerable and honest, honestly what you're feeling in the moment. But then when you listen back, you go, no, that's not it. And you just, you push it, push it aside. And, um, you know, when, when you do that, you might be discarding something that was really, really actually quite close to the mark. And so for this, I was trying to give my, this EP um, that, I, that I started with that later became a full, full album. I was trying not to judge too quickly or too harshly. And that becomes sort of a way of uh, weirdly extending grace <laughs> to yourself. Being like, hey, you know, it's, it's okay if it's a little bit unpolished the first time around, but let's, let's, keep, let's keep following the trail. And um, I think that maybe in a lot of ways that can be similar to our, our faith where we, we don't have all the understanding, but if we're willing to hold on to the questions that we have or the, the feelings that we're not sure about, um, over time, those become more, more clear. Or, you know, if you're listening inwardly to the, to the voice of God or the Holy Spirit, you know, you might, that's a, that's a dangerous phrase to use because I think a lot of people hear, um, hear it said, you know, oh, I heard God tell me that, or I, you know, I, I just really felt strongly that, and that could mean anything, right? I've never heard the audible voice of God. I don't, I, I think there's probably a lot of, a lot of people who, believe in Jesus, believe in God and would say, yeah, I never have actually like heard his voice, but you feel, you feel, I don't know, your feelings can be a good, a good way. Cause I, I think a good way to interpret the Holy Spirit kind of guiding your life. And I've heard it said that uh, the Holy Spirit hides in your hunches. And I love that. That's like big MO for me is okay. Pay attention to your hunches. That's really interesting. Um, because yeah, that when we when we think about the voice of God and the Word of God and how God speaks to us, um, it's a process of discernment, isn't it? Like trying to sift through um, what's our thoughts and our thinking versus what's God. Um, and and I'm and I do want to talk about um, your the interaction between your faith and your work. Um, but on this line of what you're saying about finding. Uh, maybe musical themes that are valuable and not wanting to throw those away and, and connect in connection with discerning God's word. Um, 
can you say more more specifically about the musical um, aspect? Do you mean uh, there are musical themes that you would start to develop that um, and melodies that you either could um, just put aside and throw away or might be worth something? So if you keep uh, developing them, they might become something. Is that is that what you're saying? Or what what yeah. exactly? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so from from purely the music side of it, um, oftentimes when you're doing a sketch, or you know, it'd be like if you were trying to do design work for someone, you might have an initial idea, and there's there's times where you can trust your instincts that say, okay, maybe this is garbage, start over. Um, but but I think a lot of times the the process of creation. Um, involves a lot of like okay let's let's put this down and before we discard it too quickly let's see how far we can take it there might be something really valuable here and one thing that i've that's really stuck with me um was uh, a comment made by john williams and he was talking about when he watches a film his first reaction is a really really valuable time because he'll he'll watch a film and then um you know start writing pretty much right after because you know all your reactions are, are going to be truest and uh, most instinctive I think after that first viewing and so um, you know similarly I guess in, in our lives we you know a lot of times when we interact with social media or something you end up seeing a very curated very edited version of, of someone's life where it could come across as like more perfect maybe than yours you know comparison is the thief of joy and that's just that's the time that we live in but when you think about your real life i mean it's not just perfect photos with filters right you know you're you're living a very authentic and sometimes rough around the edges thing and that's you know in, 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 in my art, I, I think it's important to try and put some polish on things because when I'm writing music for clients, they don't want to hear something that doesn't sound finished. Um, but when I'm writing for, for me, I, I need for the music to come from an authentic place. And I think for me to try and polish it too quickly um, deprives the music of maybe honesty um, in a lot of ways. Mm. Yeah, and that's something I really like about your, your music, your EP and, and the, um, the album. Uh, there is a diversity in the the various kind of moods and the 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 songs and the instrumentations and the textures. But I think what, the one thing that really comes across consistently is also the there's like a, your, the risk and the vulnerability and the confidence, even in the um, still small voice. And maybe that's another connection with the the voice of God. That there's a um, there's a kind of a brittleness almost to it, or a fragile, a fragileness, but it's also strong. And it, it's, um, and I think, I think um, that takes courage to, to write that in, in that way, um, because it may be a lot of, you don't, I, I haven't heard a lot of pieces like that. Like oftentimes um, it's about the, uh, the heroic um, orchestral, uh, you know, advances. Um, which you do also have in your in your music too, but but I think that the the parts of your music that are most distinct to me are, are those kind of the um, the more vulnerable, um, and so that's an, yeah yeah. Well, I, just, I wanted to jump in because my my mind just pinged. I don't know if if you saw this interview with um, uh, Destin Cretton, the film you know Point Loma alum slash filmmaker. He's working on uh, one of the Marvel films, Shang Chi. And had done past work like uh, uh, 
short term 12 and, and glass castle but in the interview that he did with um, the journalism professor at Point Loma, uh, Dean Nelson, he said something that was remarkable and I, I loved it, it was that uh, he feels really anxious and gets really nervous when he's making a pitch or you know giving a speech or some some presentation and he used to really hate that about himself because it was a maybe it could be it's seen as like weakness or you know not not polished and he said over the course of his life today what he's really been trying to do is to give himself grace there and he started to view vulnerability and um you know, some of the that nervousness is more of a superpower than than necessarily like a liability or a weakness because what it does is it conveys to whoever's you know hearing him speak um or engaging with him like hey i'm i'm human i'm nervous uh this is what i'm authentically feeling and uh you know you feel things too and that's okay um and i think what you say there about a lot of heroic music is 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 true you know there's if, if you watch if you watch, there's so many superhero films yeah. <laughs> out these days. And, and a lot of them do actually have these really like inward moments. And I think that's really cool to see part of the inward journey. Sometimes you'll see these scenes that visually you would think would be, you know, huge bombastic drums and, you know, pulsing action sounds, but then, you know, composers will wisely go inwards. And, and instead of seeing the action, you almost detach because you're going, this is what the character's feeling in the moment. Um, so yeah, I, I, I need to stop talking such big word yeah. bubbles, but I wanted to, I wanted to mention that while I was thinking of it. Thank you. Yeah. If, what kind of advice can you give people in terms of how to listen for that in people who create, I, I think listening is something that, um, people of who, who write, who, who work with people who, you know, who counsel composers like yourself, it's, it's a skill that um, is kind of a universal skill for human communication and, and human relationship. So mm -hmm. in your craft of composing um, and listening and, and your experiences listening, what, what are some ways you've found that, that help you to do that? Well, it's gonna sound a little, a little silly, but you know, while you do need to listen yourself, I think it can be really, really important to not work only in a vacuum. Um, don't stay reclusive because we're, we're communicative beings, right? We like living in, in community and interacting with community. And that's largely why so many people are suffering right now is because the community has kind of been removed from the equation um, for, for uh, safety reasons. But um, I think it's important to have someone else to be able to bounce your ideas off of because they'll especially on a on a film you know there's times where i may have really good instincts on a scene and be communicating something that is resonating but sometimes um you know i might be a little bit too on the nose and it takes a trusted friend like jared callahan to say you know you it felt like you were you were going sad in the scene which is is good like there's some sadness here but what we what we really want to be conveying is you know maybe something that happened in the past that is a different emotion and i think for you know as as you framed the question as regards to artists and just people learning to communicate um it's important to start to trust the things that you're hearing because if if I won't say every artist is, is like me, but I suffer from imposter syndrome all the time. And a lot of times feel like 
I, I doubt the first reactions. Um, and so I think over time, you know, learning to go, you know what, this is, but this is maybe, this is my voice. This is what sort of, if, if you will, arose from my, my spirit, my reactions, my emotional core, as I was dealing or thinking about this theme or watching this piece of footage, um, you know, you, you can learn to start to trust that because if, if you're not trusting that and you can't trust yourself, then what even is your voice, if not confused and, and uh, something that's always receding instead of growing and developing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, listening doesn't necessarily literally mean, you know, going, okay, what's my ear hearing? Um, for me, it's more of a almost turning your mind's eye inward and going, okay, what's, what's in there? You know, uh, there's, there's so many distractions that happen in a day um, that it can be really difficult to actually stay focused on hardly anything just because, you know, we live in a frenetic ad filled uh, uh, device filled <laughs> time. And so to be able to really reflect and go, okay, well, what, but really, truly, what is it? Let me give some definition and try and suss out what's inside of me and, you know, bear witness to that and at least be honest with your own voice and expressing that. Um, and as that re relates to faith, um, I think for me, when I'm trying to uh, discern, if you will, what God's, God's trying to tell me. Sometimes I just sort of get, I wouldn't even say I picture words, it just words kind of start to arise. And there's always the question of like, okay, but is that, is that God? Or is that just me kind of going, this is what I'd like to hear or, um, or something. But as with any relationship with someone, I think that the more you, the more you try and the more intentionality you show, um, maybe the more you can trust that relationship and the clearer, that voice can become. I don't say that to say like, oh yeah, me and me and God just totally on the same signal all the time. Yeah, absolutely understand what he's what he's telling me every day. But um, I think if you're intentional and authentic in the in the seeking and the journey, then you know God responds to that. He wants to be known. He doesn't want to just be some some mystery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm and I'm uh, connecting that with what you were saying earlier about. Uh, how your work, how your work with Jared, um, sometimes you can learn how to listen better with other people, and um, so there's, so it sounds like there's two, two aspects to it. One is our relationship with God. Um, the the further we deepen that relationship, hopefully the the more we can recognize God's voice, and also in with other people too. Um, just as as you and your art uh, find. That sometimes you have to sharpen your skills with other people. It might be that way too, with other people confirming or challenging what we think is God and helping us to discern. Because you know, as as we know, it's um, our our faith is you know the, the church, the, the the people of God is a community, and and we're not meant to 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 do this alone, to to walk to walk this journey with God alone. Um, so what are, so your faith is, it seems to be a source of inspiration for you. Um, what, what is your, what is the relationship between your faith and your work? Um, how does your faith influence your, your composing? That's a good question. Um, let me think about that for just a moment. There's, 
I, I'm sure I'm about to give you too long of an answer. Let me let me focus here. I think I think so. Are you fam you're familiar with a wrinkle in time? Mm, yes. Uh, by Madeline Langle. Yeah, wonderful writer. A really, really very very smart person. Um, she in her book um, Walking on Water talks about how we experience time, and there is Chronos time, which uh, is maybe more more linear. And then Kairos time, which a lot of times is what we experience when, you know, maybe you've worked on something all day. And at the end of the day, you're not even aware of how much time has passed. It's like, wow, that time flew. Or you're having a lot of fun with someone, right? You know, by the time it's all over, it's like, man, where'd the time go? Um, that feeling of where'd the time go? Um, I, think, I think that's a really important part of the faith journey. And I am someone who... Um, can acknowledge that I focus too much on, on, on my work at times. Um, but I think in the, in my best moments, I am aware if not in the creative surge after the creative surge, that it didn't just come from me, which is going to sound strange to anybody who, you know, maybe is not a professing Christian or, 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 um, yeah, it just, you, you're aware of the fact that not everything that you did came from you. And there were connections that made, that were made that were not, they, they were more than instinctive, if that makes sense, which isn't to say like, you know, if I do a first draft on something and I feel like I had Cairo's time, then, you know, whoever's listening to it, who's paying for it or cares about it should just be like, yeah, this, this first draft was awesome. I can tell it was divinely inspired. You know, that's, I'm not going to build myself up to that level. <laughs> um, but I think we, we believe in and serve a creative God who loves creating. And when we get to try and participate in the creation of something, um, you know, if, if, we're, if we're mindful of that, if we're in our spirit saying like, God, you're here and I'm recognizing that, I'm not trying to do this work or create this thing apart from you. I actually really prefer that you participate in it with me and kind of guide my mind. It's, it becomes a necessary part of putting your spirit in a posture of reliance. <clears throat> and I think the, the real trouble with um, probably mo a lot of the messaging that at least I see these days is there's, there's a lot of pushing of individuals to do things themselves. There's a lot of DIY, um, you know, learn all these skills. You can do it, be the master of your fate kind of thing. Like you do you. And I think that to pursue that ends up being a very lonely message and a very lonely way to live your life. So <clears throat> I mentioned collaborating with Jared, which was, which was great to be in community, but I think, you know, you can have a community of two, <laughs> you, you and you and God, when you're, when you're working. And um, for me, I'm, I'm always less stressed out and more energized at the end of a writing session when I've been very, very intentional. And, you know, for, for me, especially on the Dan film, I just, I felt, I felt a lot of responsibility, a lot of hope, a lot of, a lot of emotions, you know, and was going like, God, I'm carrying a lot right now. I knew Dan personally, I know how to write music, but I'm worried I'm not going to write the right music or it won't sound as good as I want it to, or it won't, you know, help people to, to have the emotional catharsis that I'm trying to lead them to, which is not so much me trying to manipulate people's emotions, but be very honest to what 
the story is saying and how I'm feeling as I'm experiencing it. And yeah, all I can say is the more, the more I am, I, I'm hesitant to say inviting God into the process because that becomes a semantic battle when we are inviting God into our lives that almost feels like forgetting to acknowledge that he's actually already around. Like you're not going to go through a day where it's like, Oh, and God's not around. So I guess I'll, I'll just do it myself. Um, I think it's just trying to cultivate a mindset where you're like, yeah, okay, God, like you're here and I'm here and I'd, I'd love to do some work with you. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so if our, our, so that our listeners know um, the Dan film is a film that you co-produced with Jared Callahan and you also can, uh, composed music for it. And the film is called Sometimes I Shake about um, Dan Nelson's um, life and death. He was a, a jazz musician. Um, I, I wanted to ask for some specifics about your composing process. And so maybe if you could think about the, your work on the film, perhaps, um, what did, maybe more more specifically talking about um, maybe certain scenes or certain um, um, in instrumentations that you were doing. Uh, so for instance, um, I know that you were you were listening to the life of of Dan and his philosophy of it's all relational and, and that 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 guided your approach to conducting the music um, to that and so what so I guess my question is how did the listening um, how did the listening look while you were composing for that film in in concrete yeah. examples yeah okay let me think of a few here because there this this film had a lot there were a lot of ideas that surfaced out of this um, well one one was uh, a very inward uh, thought process going, man, how, how do I even convey the maxim? It's all relational in reference to life. You know, it's all relational. It's not just about you. It's about all the people that you're uh, living in community with, working with, encountering. And um, the, the, the idea that sort of surfaced was what if, what if I got people to play and we did a different approach where, you know, for, for a lot of film scores, having live players playing and, you know, I guess the sort of community inside of a studio space, that's not, that's not new. You know, that's, that's a lot of times that's how it's done. But since I didn't have access to a recording studio and things were on lockdown generally, uh, I asked a number of players to record themselves at home and I gave them, some parameters it was a little bit limited um they had a certain key they had to play in and you know here's a duration i'm looking for about three minutes one one minute 30 at the at the um shortest and uh basically said these are the parameters please do something creative you can play it at a certain you know bpm or or tempo if you want or it can be a free improvisation and uh, then I collected all these videos and it was awesome to see, you know, it, it wasn't just people from Point Loma who knew Dan. I was asking, you know, family members. I was asking um, friends that I knew from, from college, from high school. And so anyways, I get all these performances back. And as I start listening to them um, and aligning the audio, uh, you have these really beautiful, like, natural moments where one player might kind of stop playing for a second and someone else's performance starts to sort of bloom in that cap. So that was a really, really cool way where you're, you're, you're listening to everyone's performance 
and figuring out, okay, how, how is this going to fit together and relate in the most beautiful way? Um, and since these were all videos, I mean, you could imagine if you just put these all on a page where you're looking at sort of a grid of a couple different videos, mm -hmm. if you hit play at random intervals at all of these and started them all at different times, you're never going to get the same performance. So in that sense, like it's, it was just a really exciting, <laughs> exciting way to, yeah. to quote unquote, write and sort of piece mm -hmm. together this um, mosaic, I think of, of community. And then if I, there were times where sometimes I would, I would write something with maybe a little bit more intentionality underneath um, mm, okay. to sort of give it a frame, but by and large, uh, we could just let those, those uh, perform interact with each other in really, really cool ways. Yeah. And then uh, let me think about some other ways here. Uh, so, uh, you know, when you, when you suffer from, from the the symptoms of, of Parkinson's, you know, you shaking, shaking of your, of your limbs, of your, of your digits, of your, um, you know, your, your head, your feet, your hands, uh, that's a fairly fragile and vulnerable thing to experience. And, you know, there's, Dan used to make jokes about his Parkinson's probably to put other people at ease who maybe hadn't been around someone who had Parkinson's disease. Um, and maybe felt uncomfortable by the shake. So he'd crack a joke and say, yeah, when I, when I'm directing the concert band at Point Loma, you know, I, a lot of times there's a lot of vibrato because they're just trying to follow my direction. And he's saying this, you know, as his hands shaking. So there's, there's some inherent kind of dark, but inherent humor there to sort of put people at ease. But, you know, when I was thinking about the shakes in terms of music, um, I started thinking like that, this needs to be a story that's very vulnerable and offers some really, really like thin and fragile sounds. And actually Jared at the very start said, Scott, I need you to, I need you to think like broken instruments, discarded instruments, which isn't to say I went and just like broke a piano or <laughs> lit a guitar on fire or anything, but trying, trying to feature very fragile sounds. And so um, there's, how do I explain this? There's, there's a, you know, playing a guitar, really loud, right? When you have a pick and you're just strumming three chords in the truth, you know, that can be, that can be really effective, but then there's, there's like finger picking, right? Where you're doing something more delicate. Um, you could even drop the pick and take a violin bow and start to bow the strings. And that's going to be, be an even thinner and more fragile sound. And so if you did something like that in say a concert hall, the people at the back aren't going to hear it, right? Cause it's such a quiet sound, but the cool thing about recording that kind of stuff is that you have a volume knob you can turn it up you can actually hear all this intimate detail and so you're taking this very quiet sort of inherently innately weak sound but when you can turn up a volume knob then suddenly it's there it's present and takes maybe more of a definitive shape it doesn't change the quality it still sounds vulnerable and frail but now it's it's more audible than it was and i think that Dan's life followed that arc in a very interesting way in that as his body became more frail, as it became, you know, more, more susceptible to all kinds of, all kinds of things, um, 
even though some might look at that as sort of a decrescendo, sort of the twilight of his life on its way out getting quieter, the intentionality with which he lived his life became so much more focused and the things that he accomplished, you know, helping establish um, an orphanage in Rwanda and trying to make some repara reparations, reconciliations with people, trying to be more soft-hearted than he'd been. To me, it felt very much more like a crescendo, like, wow, you know, even even as your body's growing more and more weak, the, the force and faith and intentionality of your life is growing. And so it's, you know, that's the kind of thing where listening inwardly, you have to let those kinds of thoughts percolate. Otherwise, you know, I might just take off on a scene and not be thinking of the context of his life and the story. And, you know, I could write something that's really, it, it kind of doesn't relate. I might just go, okay, this needs to be sad and write something that's maybe a little more sad, but it's, as I just described, it's so much more nuanced than that. It's so much richer. The story was so much richer um, than that. And I feel like that kind of demands that you, you bring, you bring your most vulnerable <laughs> um, work to, to something like that. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's really powerful. And as you were describing that, I was just thinking about, um, there's a verse in First Samuel where um, they're looking for the next king of Israel. And Samuel thinks that it'll be one of Jesse's tall, strong sons. But God says that God doesn't look at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. And so it, what you're saying is um, in Dan's life and in, in you were trying, how you were trying to convey that, it was looking beneath the surface, trying to see that life crescendoing as, as his outer life was decrescendoing and, um, and trying to reflect that through the music. And, um, and, and that kind of, that's also what we, how we kind of began this conversation with listening inwardly, um, uh, listening for those, for the still small voice that um, people who are looking on the outside may not see um it, it can only be seen when you when you when you're looking at in the and seeing things the way god sees them i i wanted to talk about a little bit about um vocation with you because um music it seems to be a, a calling at least for me looking on the outside in to you, it looks like it. And so my first question is, do you, do you understand composing music as a calling? And um, yeah, do, do you or? Absolutely. Um, I, think, I think there is a difference between occupation and vocation, but I also think that, you know, for some, there is a commingling of that. Um, they, they can both, both be the same thing. And I know for me, making a living from writing music uh, is, both an occupation and a vocation. And when I say vocation, that's when I start to try and distance that definition from maybe it just being a job. I feel like, um, I feel like it's really important for me to try and use something that I'm so passionate about. And, um, you know, this, this is another, another little tidbit from the Destin Cretton interview. I won't keep coming back to that, but something that he said really stuck with me. Um, Cause you know, I'll, I, I would love to have, have kids someday. And he, uh, he talked about the importance of his kids seeing him doing something that he loved. And, you know, if there came a time where music was not 
seeming viable or, you know, out of, out of some sense of urgency, I had to try and take some other work to support a family. Like, sure, that's, that's going to happen um, or could happen, but um, as much as can, I feel so deeply within myself that I must create and it music is, is what I love creating the most. And so to be able to um, write music for stories or write music for commercials and, you know, help, communicate things is really important and um i i think the the, the runner from uh, you know you'll you'll think of the the movie chariots of fire um the runner said you know god god made me fast and i run to his pleasure and i think the way that i i feel that in my life is i feel like i was made for music I, you know so much of my fibers my nerves my thoughts my everything kind of bends towards music because i'm curious and i i cherish it and um you know it's it's basically like having toys music is a toy and i love playing with with music as a toy um but it's so much more than that it's it's i know the way music makes me feel i know um i know the way that music has made other people feel sorry for the well it's <laughs> the, we're, it's the, very uh, appropriate we're talking about callings yeah <laughs> oh you're good at this yeah that was that was quick um but uh yeah, I, I think something else, I remember Dan Nelson, we were just talking about him in the film that I scored about his life. Um, something that Dan Nelson said when I was a student um, under his tutelage uh, was don't, don't die with the music still in you. Mm-hmm. And I think that could be a, that could be a metaphor, you know, certainly that could apply to most other things. You could substitute it with art, painting, um, anything that's not even art related, you know, don't, don't die with your, your passions still in you, that voice unexpressed. And I think for me, um, I don't, I don't want to die feeling like I didn't be, be a good, uh, that I wasn't a good steward of my joy mm-hmm. for music, because if I, you know, how do I put this? Being able to have your vocation and occupation be one and the same is a luxury. I think, you know, I mean, not, not everyone is, is, is so, so lucky to be able to have both commingle. Um, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Um, but yeah, seeings is I have the, the resources, I have the passion. I'm starting to, you know, kind of have more connections and form relationships with people. It feels like, okay, like as, as I'm, I'm feeling like I'm being guided forward, I need to keep walking that path, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so, so it's both, it sounds like it's both, um, something that just naturally uh, naturally welling out from within you but that then it's also something that you have a choice about you keep walking that path and so what um how has that looked in your life how have you uh had have you had any challenges or any doubts or any uh kind of um bends you know curvy roads that made you question this vocation and if so how did you how have you kind of um responded to those and um, um, yeah, so I guess what I'm asking is another way of asking is, um, how have you kind of maintained your faithfulness to God and to this, um, to this talent that you have in service to God? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, there's been times where I've wanted to quit. Um, not, you know, obviously never enough for me to actually quit because otherwise I wouldn't be talking to you about it today. Um, but I had, I had someone tell me very early on, it was actually a guy by the name of, uh, Eric Schmidt. 
and he used to teach at USC uh, and did, you know, music for like the Tom and Jerry show and, you know, had plenty of, plenty of other animated things and a uh, very, very talented composer. And he said in a phone interview that I did with him, um, sort of an intermittent informational thing, he said, just, just so you're aware, you know, it could take you, it could take you five to 10 years before you really hit anything that looks like sustainable work um, with film music and television music or commercial music. And he was 100% right. And thankfully I had some other, some other mentors in my life as well as some books on, on film scoring that said similar things. And so, you know, at the start, I'd always hoped that it would be faster, um, that I would, you know, have maybe been further, further along, I guess, than, than where I see myself today. And it can feel a little bit like a war of attrition in that you, you just, you send stuff out um, as a, as a composer, hoping that someone will listen to it and want to pair it with, um, you know, with some sort of story or some sort of media. And oftentimes um, you won't hear back, or if you do hear back, then it's not what they need at the time, or, you know, some, some other thing was, was closer to what they needed. And so you start to feel like you're just getting rejections. And I think, <laughs> um, for me, you know, the, the rejections are never, are never pleasant. You know, you don't actually want someone to reject your music, but I also had just enough doors open um, to where I felt like, okay, I, I need to keep going. Or I had mentors who um, could identify with that or had similar, you know, similar experiences. And to, to feel known and seen and like your struggle is not unique to you, which I think is a lie that a lot of us hear and start to believe is that like, yeah, this, you know, this is your problem. I don't, I don't mean like friends or, or family members telling you that, but like that inner voice of doubt, which often is not you. I think that's, you know, that's the devil trying to get you off course. Um, I think, I think you, you just have to stay stay the course um and and be wise about if you do need to, to course correct but like we said if you're listening i think those those promptings those those movings and the thoughts you need to have will will come as you're as you're there and for me i've just i've never i've never felt anything except okay this may be hard but you still need to do this this is still absolutely what you were made to do um and I don't say that out of some sense of pride or, you know, self-aggrandizing. It's just, you know, it, it'd be like if, if we just called me a screwdriver, it's like, okay, I was made to be a screwdriver. I might hear differently. I might, I might need to be a ruler later, but right now I'm a screwdriver and I need to be the best screwdriver I can. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that would be my answer to that.
thank you, Scott, for for your wisdom and um, and for for talking with me today. Are are there any final thoughts? Uh, nothing except to say thanks. This was this was a real honor, and I'm I'm really really excited to see Foreshadow growing. So thanks for having me as a guest. It, as I say, very very big honor. Thanks, Scott, and um, yes, thank you very much. And we look forward to hearing more of your work and. We'll be sharing some of those songs in the podcast. So the the music that our listeners will have heard it comes from Scott's um, compositions. So thank you for all for listening. This foreshadow is an online magazine that features work that points to the kingdom of God. And we our website is foreshadowmagazine.com, and you can hear some of Scott's music on the on the magazine. And if you like this episode or any of the other content that we have, please do share that with your family and friends and people that, that you think will benefit and will enjoy listening to this. And um, we, we really appreciate having guests like Scott and, and the other people that have shared their content um, because I, we hope that through the, the music, through the interviews, through the writings, that people have the opportunity to listen to to the kingdom of God through those works of art and through the creations. And in that listening, uh, hopefully being, we can be encouraged to follow more closely. So thank you all for listening. And that's the forecast for today. <laughs>